Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only Schalke Podcast in English. Uh, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on this oh-so-special Sunday, Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? And it is a special Sunday because it is a victory Sunday. Let's go. First one of the year. I did not expect it to take six match days <laughs> for us to be having a victory Sunday podcast, but it has finally arrived. And uh, pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. A victory Sunday it is. And yeah, you're, like you said, it took six weeks to, to happen, but uh, we're here nonetheless. And uh, let's enjoy this one. And then hopefully we get more of these to come. Um, Schalke crawled into this match week at the bottom of the table, sitting at 0-5. Uh, luckily, Mainz were rolling into town, who have historically been a good team uh, that Schalke would face. Uh, Mainz have not scored against Schalke since 2016. Would that trend continue? Let's take it away. Alright, well, as we already just said in the opening that, uh, we had a victory Sunday, so obviously we won. Uh, but this is a interesting game. Uh, let's, let's just get right into it. Uh, let's look at the lineups real quick. Um, cause I'm, I, I really do want to talk about this. Uh, so the lineup was, uh, obviously the captain, Ralph Fairman, in goal. Um, we had a four man defense. Uh, Daniel Calagiri lined up at right back. Salif Sane in the mid in the central defense with uh Matija Nastasic and then Mendel Hamza Mendel would play the left back um, and then we had two holding midfielders or two pivot mid- midfielders if you will we had a Suat Serdar and uh and Bentaleb would be there and then we had a three man attacking forwards which would be Alexander Shoff, Amin Harit and Yevhen Konoplyanka all led by the lone striker uh Guido Bergstaller Jack, if you're reading, if you're counting that correctly, that's a four-two-three-one. Uh, what? He finally changed up the lineup. And the yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about this uh, on this podcast as well, but you know, all over the internet and everything about a possible uh, system change that that needed to happen. Uh, as you said, it's a four-two-three-one. Yeah, go unveiled this earlier in the week. It was uh, English Avoca against um, Freiburg, and uh, went with the exact same. Lineup yesterday against against Mainz. Um, I think it's something that needed to happen at least just to experiment with it because obviously the, the start to the season uh, with our you know three five two if you want to call it that uh, you know three one four whatever you know whatever had been previously uh, <laughs> a lot of problems with that um, definitely needed to change things up and I think it's going to benefit the team uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean n- number one. Uh, it allowed Naldo to get a rest this week 
um, both games actually. Uh, you know, previously in that old system, uh, all three center backs being called upon every match were not particularly deep there at the moment. Uh, Stan Bowie still coming back from injury, and so you know, it, just going with the with the back four allows one of those guys to rotate out every match, which I think is a welcome thing, particularly for somebody like Naldo, who is you know as, as old as he is, and then. Uh, you know, also up top, one of the main issues I think so far this season had been uh, the strikers were kind of on islands, not a lot of service getting up there. And, you know, rather than have two people up top, uh, you know, you're moving somebody back into the midfield, which is almost inevitably going to help with build up, you would think. And, you know, hopefully get some, get some more things going on offense with fluidity and all that. So uh, we saw some of that. It definitely wasn't um, <laughs> an immediate fix or, you know, uh, the team's not playing incredibly just because of this, this change. But I think it's probably a positive change, at least for the time being, and something I think a lot of us were looking forward to seeing. What was your take on it? Yeah, it was, um, you know, when we saw it in the Freiburg match and then going into this one, what, what we said going go into the Freiburg match is that, you know, something needed to address, and that's the defensively, well, a lot of things needed to address, but they had to stop goals because they were giving up two goals a game, and they needed to score some goals. Now, switching to the four-two-three-one from a 3-5-2, you have more guys in the actual defense. Um, so, And now you have five, you still, you still have five midfielders. But now you got four, you got an extra man in defense now, so now it's really playing with one more person on defense. That's got to help you, right? Uh, so we ha- we did see that it started coming. Uh, the first game against Freiburg was you know it was interesting, but when I saw this lineup, I said, okay, uh, he's definitely trying to stick with this and trying to build on this because it seems like everyone figured out the three five two or whatever three man defense that we had. And as you said, you know we're we're stretched thin with only three. Our three center backs are all out there at the same time. Now, where do we go from here? Um, with, when Naldo comes back, does, do they just rotate the three guys and keep it a four-man defense? I think they should keep it fresh. Just keep rotating the guys. Um, hopefully, they all have enough of a rapport with each other that it just it's simple as you know, taking a guy out and putting another guy in. Um, but we'll see. Um, I was excited to see. I mean, Harit back in the lineup. Absolutely. Know, he, him, and Konoplyanka. We've said numerous times those are our playmakers. And having both on the pitch at the same time is like finally, let's see what they can do. Um, yeah, just Harit, this formation really just opens in that that opens up that that kind of that number ten role to some extent, or that sort of space on the field. And Harita slotted right back in there the past two games, and that's something that, as you said, that we were both both calling for. He's, I mean, he's got to be on the field more times than not for us. I, I just, I just definitely feel that way. He's he's such a creative player. There's so many things he does. Um, you know, whether it's transition or even in the build up, he's he's. It's much better to have somebody like him centrally, in my opinion, than somebody like DeSanto or you know whatever the situation is. So that was that was definitely big for me. And having Ellis Undershoff in the lineup, uh, it it's, it makes sense. I mean, he's a he's a consistent player. Um, has he has some trickery up his sleeve and good good shot. Um, and then Guido Bergsteller is obviously a hard worker. He was the main goal scorer last year, so uh, that that made sense. But it was good to see Swat Serdar uh, in the lineup and Bentaleb given more opportunity. Uh, hopefully the consistency and of the pitch time will help increase his game. Um, and you know, just having Serter out there with him, maybe just the fact that they got two two French speaking guys, I guess if you want to call it, I'm out there together with Amin Hari too. Um, maybe that'll help uh the guys see on the same page, uh, no matter what language they're speaking. Um, yeah, so that was a that was a I like that lineup coming into the game. Um. 
you know, was there any big threat for you, Jack, going into this game, at least from Mike's perspective? Uh, any any player that you had your eye on that maybe could be the goal scoring threat or or an X factor? It's a pretty young Mainz squad. It seemed yeah. like uh, you know the big standouts here: uh, John Philip Kabamen, um, Ustinali, players like that uh, that I was definitely keeping an eye out for going into it, um, and also some some other younger guys that I wasn't particularly as as familiar with, but. Uh, Definitely had a couple guys that, that that looked dangerous at, at different periods of time. You can see why Mainz was in the table position they were going into this one. Didn't quite get things going ultimately, but uh, definitely had several opportunities. And I, I think over the course of the season, they're gonna they're, they're gonna be just fine. Yeah, yeah, and they got a, a young player that I like. He's, I say young because he is. He's twenty four. Robin Quazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I it feels like he's been around for forever, but. Uh, he's only 24 years old, and then they obviously got a uh, an up and coming German manager, Sandro Schwartz. Um, he, like Tedesco, came out of the, you know, the same school, um, very similar philosophies and stuff like that. So now it looked like I don't know if you saw this, but right after the match, it looked like uh, Schwartz and Quaison were having a very intense argument, where the manager was like practically screaming at him on the pitch. Yeah, you, and I wonder what that was. I, I'm about. not. I, I'm not sure. I don't know if it, maybe Quizon said something or whatever. Because I thought Quizon did all right. He had a, he had a couple of dangerous moments. So I, I'd yeah. be surprised if it was a situation where the manager was dressing him down for a poor performance or something. But uh, maybe it's something he said or did or something like that. Who knows? Good. It's it's very interesting. Um, so like we said, this game was in Gelsenkirchen at the good old Veltins Arena. Um, for those of you who are interested, and I don't know why you would be, Benjamin Cortes was the man, was the referee in charge of this one. Um, game started out pretty decent. Uh, uh, actually, it started out fantastic for Schalke. Really, um, one of the guys we said was you know one of the X factors on the team. Yevon Kudelpliyanka, he was already starting to insert himself into the lineup. Jack, and uh, in the tenth or eleventh minute, uh, puts a little shake and bake move on the defender, crosses it in on his left foot, which I thought was going to be. A shank and it comes in and of all people, Alessandro Schopp out jumps everyone and gets the goal. Um, nice way to start the game for a change in the lead. Yeah, dream start and that's something we've been struggling with all year is is taking the lead. I think that was the first time we had taken the lead in a match except for the the, the Porto game um, all season. That's at least that's the first time in the Bundesliga at least that we've taken the lead. Uh, yeah, and that, that's been a huge problem. That was definitely our formula last year. Um, you know, get, get the early goal and then just hold on to it for dear life. Uh, yeah. It's not a team that tends to put uh, several goal cushion between them and their opponents. So always, always important to get the early one. Um, and we really needed it because I think the first six, seven minutes of that game, we looked pretty brutal. Um, yeah. Mine's had a couple breaks, got a, got a few shots off. And um, I was sitting there watching that just, be like, oh, you know, here we go again, kind of a thing. And then, yeah, like you said, kind of somebody we've been calling for to get into the lineup. Um you know, it, there's a lot of parts of his games that can be frustrating, but end of the day, you can count on this guy multiple times a game to either beat somebody and, and you know get a shot off or, or play across or just what he's a, he can, he's a guy that can create his own space for himself. And there's not a lot of players um, on this team sometimes, especially up top, guys like Bergstaller, you know, that they can they can really create that space for themselves. And so, yeah, he, he uh, I think the his cross actually took a deflection on the way in, but. Um, Credit to Shop who who made a run from sort of the edge of the box straight towards yeah. the near post. All the Mainz defenders were static, just kind of watching it come in. 
And uh, for whatever reason, it fell right into this gap between like two or three of them. And, and Shep was right there thanks to his run and headed it down into the ground and uh, beat the keeper and 1-0. That seemed to put the, the team at ease and that one, you know, get the first goal. You could see how happy they were when they scored. Um, and really the game started to change at that point because uh, it's it, obviously mine's were on the back burner already. Schalke had the lead for one so they could play relaxed and then try to assert their game that they, that, you know, Dominico Tedesco was trying to insert. Um, it's 4-2-3-1. Uh, it seemed like there's a lot of pressing going on, causing a lot of turnovers. Um, the first half did end one nothing, but, um, what was your overall assessment of the first half, uh, with this 4-2-3-1 formation and, uh, and a lead for once going into halftime? There was still still a lot of work to do in terms of <laughs> just being more fluid and creating more chances from the passing game around the final third. Um, I feel like we've always struggled with that under under Tesco breaking down teams from open play, but I definitely felt like we looked like we were getting into dangerous areas a little bit more often than we had been in, in the previous system. I thought one of the standouts was actually Daniel Caligari. He he had a an uncharacteristically poor game in terms of his final ball delivery and his crossing, he, he made a couple weird crosses. But the thing I noticed that I liked quite a bit was this was really the first game I had seen from him this season where he was really getting advanced and being in a position to, you know, kind of run off the, the shoulder of the defense and play those balls in. That was something that was happening almost game in game out last year was Caligari beating people on the dribble, getting it based down that right-hand side and, and playing balls. And I really feel like we haven't seen him in those advanced areas so far this season um, with any kind of frequency like we did last year. And that's definitely contributed, contributed, I would think to some of our offensive struggles. And, and he really did. He was really positive today, taking players on um, trying to get forward and, 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 be that be that creative presence and, and that was that was huge for me. I think I think if Caligari can do that on a more consistent basis, um that, that's gonna help significantly because that was a huge part of our, our production last year. I think another thing that he did extremely well in this game was he was reading the plays defensively and jumping passes, intercepting them and, and starting the breaks. Um so a mix of all that, he just had an all around good game and um he is key. I think I think that you know last year in that big comeback against uh, Dortmund, the River Derby, um, he was at the, when Schalke were down four nothing. He was like the only one that kept going, and he kind of like single handedly like got them back in. He started with his with his uh, his his work ethic, and finally, you know, goals started to come, and they came back, and he got a goal, of course, for himself. So um, yeah, he's a he's an absolutely instrumental player for us. Um, I thought first half was fairly even. It wasn't nothing, nothing to really write home about. Except obviously the goal that was, that was beautiful. You can't. That's a dream start, like you said. Um, I thought in the second half though, the team started playing much better. I don't know if it's because Mainz are trying to open it up so they can get some goals, but it seemed like that what we've been missing all year was the transition from defense to midfield to attack was starting was starting to get there, and we were starting to get counterattacks. One after the other, uh, we were we were getting close. I know Konplianka hit two posts, one off a free kick, another one off a beautiful scissors kick. Uh, uh, Bergstaller set him up from the from the white right wing, and he, he went for the fantastic goal instead of the easy header, and uh, almost scored it too. I mean that that play in particular, um, I believe, it was McKenney started that that yeah. counterattack. Played a nice ball out wide uh, to the right. I forget I forget who you said that was. Was that Shep for Calgary that then ended up playing it back across? But um, Decent cross, and I think it was just a little bit behind him, which is why he didn't try to go with his head. 
Um, I think if he was in, maybe, maybe he was in position and he just tried to do something spectacular to me. It looked like he, I, I don't think he thought he could pull it off. Um, cause like I said, the ball was curling kind of behind him a little bit. Um, if he gets ahead on, I think that's like almost certainly a goal. He had a lot of open net. Um, but he, he tries to go for this acrobatic scissor kick thing and, uh, just couldn't keep it down. He hits it off the, off the crossbar. I thought that was a goal for sure. And that would have put this one to bed, I think, um, which would have been nice to have that extra goal cushion, but uh, yeah, that was positive, and that was that was one of the uh, a couple of different times that McKenney had a nice breakaway and and played a good ball at the end of it to to feed an opponent. Um, and those counters are actually definitely something we got going in the second half. I think I think some of that though was just because of how far we dropped off in the second half. Um, we seeded a lot of possession, and we're yeah. <laughs> getting compact. It was, I mean, it was the standard stuff we saw from them last year. Like I said, it's it's that old faithful strategy of grabbing that early goal and then just camping in and holding on for dear life because you know this is a team as we said that doesn't they're not they're not knocking you know three four past opponents on any sort of regular basis so uh but yeah i mean definitely had a couple chances later on to put it away um and particularly from the counterattack and you know the guys that were getting four like kind of plank i think did a did a nice job um making themselves available yeah, and actually on the opportunity, Konoplyanka, it was actually, it was Bergstaller of all people with the pass. It, it it was such a good pass that it looked like it would have been Schaffer or or somebody else like that. Um, but it was actually uh, Bergstaller of all people. Um, probably also why it was a little bit behind him and why he had to go for that acrobatic shot. Um, so let's talk about this formation. We said there McKinney was there. McKinney obviously came on as a substitute for Alessandro Schaffer. Yeah, and that was, by the way, that was really um, surprising. I don't know if I totally misread what the prognosis had been after that injury he picked up against Bayern Munich, but I was under the impression that was going to be a three to four week absence. Like he, he was a fairly significant injury and he, you know, he just missed that, that one game against Freiburg and was right back into the, uh, amongst the subs today. So that, that's great that we didn't lose him for any significant period of time. I think that's going to be really important. And he, he looked totally fine when he came on, he was, um, chasing stuff yeah, down uh, immediately, hard. had a crunching yep. aerial against somebody, I think within maybe a minute of when he came on the pitch that launched uh, the, well, the first of those counterattacks. So he, he looked healthy, and that's, that's, uh, that's big for us, definitely, with all the competitions we're involved in. We need that, we need that depth. What was your assessment of the – let's talk about more of these formation stuff. Um, Suat Serdar and, and Nabil Bentaleb in the, in the holding midfield role, the pivot, the pivot roles, if you will. Um, I thought they both did well as the game went on. They got better. Uh, Bentaleb, I thought, had a really good game. Serdar was doing a, a, a pretty good job at that, at that role. And at, at times when they're, each of them were asked their task to press and, and take a chance up in the attacking end, they took it. So – um, what did you make of the of the, the, the two man pivot there? I thought they did fine. I wasn't blown away by either of them. I think the Bill Bentaleb had an uncharacteristic number of errant passes in this one. Um, I, I noticed a couple of those where he just gave the ball away super cheaply. And for what, it, especially yeah, in the first half, as you said, was, they, I think they got better definitely as the game went on. But um, I don't know. May, maybe I just need to <laughs> keep an eye out. <laughs> When I'm when I'm watching these more, but just for whatever reason, Stuart Serdar is just not popping off the screen for me. He and maybe he's maybe he's doing you know really important work um, that's just not flashy, and I'm I'm not noticing it for whatever reason. And I'm not saying he played poorly or anything. I just there, there's very little that he does where I I'm really noticing him or his influence on the game. Am I am I way off base with In that? Way, no, you're not really. Because if we look at last year when we did have. 
Mr. Crystal Palace on the team, he, he, you didn't really notice him either, but he was playing, that's because he was playing that number six role so well. And when you play, and number six plays really well, you, you really don't see them, no, they're not noticeable unless they're making like great flying tackles and defensively. Um, so that's why I think maybe why he wasn't noticed as much is because, you know, defensively they were so compact that he, he wasn't going to stick out and, uh, he was doing his job for the most part. And every now and then you see him make, come up, make, try to make a run, try to score. But, I think what it might um, be is that, uh, at least from what I had heard, I thought Serdar was billed as a little bit more, um, yeah, exactly, a, a guy with a little bit of a flair for offense. And I really don't think we've seen much of that so far, except for you know every no, once in a while no. to take like a really ambitious effort from kind of around the edge of the box, which has almost invariably missed pretty badly. Um, yeah, I just expected more from him linking up in the final third. But um, you know, we have a lot of young guys in the midfield. And uh, they need minutes, plain and simple. And I think the more, the more they're on the pitch, and the more they're getting chemistry with the rest of the squad, you know, the, the better that's going to get. So, um, you know, Serdar and McKinney in particular are two of the guys that are that are young and definitely have a lot of room to develop in their game. I mean, Harit uh, was back as always of drawing fouls, um, creating opportunities. Um, I thought as the game went on. The game, the ball started going through him, and him trying to him and Konopiaka really trying to feed the guys. Um, I like, obviously, I love when I mean Harit's on, on playing his game because he's just fun to watch with his tricks and his passes and his vision. Um, he had a really before he left for with an injury. Um, he had a really as a good combination pass with uh, several guys. I don't remember who it was. It may have been McKinney, and he ended up uh, was on a fast break and he tried to score a goal and just missed the far the far post. Um, what did you make of his yeah, game? Yeah, that was overall? that was the first of those uh, breakaways that McKenney helped launch. Um, ball gets played out to him to the left, and he cuts in and tries to go for a curler to the the far right post. Um, didn't yeah, didn't didn't miss by much. I, I personally would have liked to see him maybe take a couple extra steps and try to get into the box and get a little closer. But good effort, and it's just good to have him back on the pitch, man. Um, yeah, it just he's he's an X factor, plain and simple. Um, and once again, it doesn't mean that every single one of his performances, you know, are, are perfect or anything like that. It's just he can do things that nobody else on this team can do, and that a lot of guys in the league can't do with his dribbling and space. There's so many times it looks like he's going to get taken off the ball, and he finds a way out of it. You know, he breaks defensive lines, and um, it's just it's just a great person to have in the squad. It opens things up for other teammates too, with the, with the pressure and the attention that he draws when he's on the ball. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just glad that he's been in the last couple games, and I hope that he continues to feature fairly regularly. I think that's that, that's big for us going forward. He was such a huge part, particularly the first half of last season. Um, you know, with his influence as a new signing, and um, I, I really think he has potential to be a, to be a star in this league. Yeah, I do too. If he starts getting some, if he starts getting these opportunities into goals, um, he could really be a class player. Um, he just needs to make that next jump, I guess, if you will. He's at he's at the stage where everyone's noticing him now. They're just waiting for him to, like, to make that jump to be elite, you know, or, or or get into the spotlight or the highlight or however you want to call it. Um, but he's he is on the cusp of of greatness. He just needs to figure out how to fine tune his game just a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, as the game went on, and it's funny the announcer made a made a comment that you know, you know, last year when Shaka went up a goal, they just Sat down, bunkered up, and tried to win the game out. Um, he says it's fine and dandy when you're winning, but 
and you don't have any wins in a season, it's probably not something you want to flirt with. And it, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I was like, come on, get a second goal. Cause, cause we've seen how every game gone this year where uh, it's been close. And when you think, you know, you think you got a chance to win it or get a point, uh, the other team scores. So I was like, I was looking for that second goal the whole game and it wasn't coming. It was getting close, but. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was I was still worried. I was at the edge of my seat. No, yeah, I, I certainly agree with the fact that um, we definitely needed to try to get that second goal. But I was okay with the extent to which we backed off a little bit, just because I think the defense this year has been so suspect that I ju- I would just be confirm uh, confirm. Wow, I would be concerned with with how high we're pressing and how how aggressively we're going after that second goal. Um, and it definitely looks like this. Formational shift has improved things. Just one goal conceded across two matches instead of the the two goals per game that we had been conceding in the old system every single match um, that we had used it so far. But uh, yeah, it would be nice at some point if we could get this this Schalke team to to knock you know two goals in with with a fairly consistent pace. But um, you know, as long as the defense is is solid. We have a chance to win matches. That was the formula last year. Just so far, I haven't had a lot of confidence that that's going to be the case, and I'm always looking for the offense to to improve a little bit. It did look like uh, as the game went on, uh, Tedesco shifted the team into like a four four two. It left two guys up top pressing pressing the the defense for 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 Mines, and they kept a uh, eight men back on the ball. Which is, I mean, if you want to set up shop, it's pretty much what you got to do. Um, and I thought they did a good job of reading passes, intercepting them, and starting the counter breaks and and going back. Um, going forward, you know, like you said, we have three center backs. Do we stay with this four back system? Do we go back to the three back system? What do you what do you see us go from here? Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to see that that old system again. Um, I, I definitely think we'll we'll and maybe Tedesco will go back to it with the kind of regularity that he had been with it initially i i'm not sure um but i i i think we're going to see this four two three one or something similar um a pretty healthy amount going forward it, it, we flirted with it in the preseason and then you know once you have five consecutive defeats you got to change something up and i think the last i mean I'm, we didn't we didn't play great against freiburg but i think it was better um and definitely had chances in that game to just score and just couldn't make it happen for whatever reason but looked um, defensively a little bit more solid, only lost by one, um, and, and looked decent defensively in this game. And so it, things have definitely seemed to be turning around a little bit. Uh, a lot of improvements still to go, but this system has, you know, maybe settled things down a little bit. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to stick with it for a little bit. Um, and as you said, they, that's the important thing is just the, the rotation it allows us to have with the center backs, you know, involved in three competitions and, um, it, we, we've had injury trouble there, you know, Nastasic is injury prone and Stan Blue's hurt right now. And, and all those old and definitely needs rest to probably be at his best at, at this point. So it allows for that rotation. One of those guys can, can rotate out every match and, and take a game off. And I think that could be important for us going forward. Uh-huh. Um, so, Okay, so this four two three one. I th- I think we both can agree that you know with a formation like this, you you want to being that they're healthy. Um, for we keep talking about I mean I mean Harit's injury. He left the game in the like seventy fifth minute or something like that with a with a hamstring injury. We don't know the extent of how bad it is yet. Um, he did fall in the game 
uh, and then it went down, went out, got taped up, tried to make it up for a couple more minutes, and still couldn't do it. So Mark Ruth ended up uh, getting replaced with him. Um, but considering if he was healthy at four two three one, I think we can agree that I mean Harit and Konoplyanka should be out there because they are the playmakers on the team, right? And then it, you can really put anybody else up there with them to be behind the striker. Um, the the two-man pivot is the question. Who could you slip in there? Um, obviously, Serdar and Bentaleb did the job. McKinney can do it because he did it. He came in the game and, and did, a, a, did a good job. Um, do you think Mascarell will be good in this? I know he came in the game and, and played in this role, but uh, do you really see him fitting in there? I know he is labeled the classic defensive midfielder. Um, so in theory, it should work, right? But uh, I guess we'll take time to see if we if we can get a good rotation in that two man pivot, it'll save legs, save bodies for the season going forward. Yeah, I think that was Mascarell's debut, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in the Bundesliga. Okay. He, I think he played in the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, uh, I haven't so. seen haven't yeah, seen a whole so lot from him yet. So obviously, we have to wait a little bit before we can judge exactly how we think he's going to fit. But yeah, potentially he could be you know the number six to McKenney's number eight or Serdar's number eight. Um, there's definitely options. I, I think it'd be interesting to see if in more of that two man pivot, if, uh, if Rudy fits in a little bit better there than he had previously. Cause I, I feel like when he's been in the lineup for the most part so far, he's been dropping deep and trying to be that, that center um, kind of Island fulcrum. Um, and that hasn't worked out particularly well for him for whatever reason. Um, so maybe getting him advanced a little bit higher up the field, um, with a partner would, would help him out. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we have, we have a lot of players in the midfield that can, that can feature, um, you know, we, we lost Meyer and Goretzka, but we, we gained more than two this year. So we, we have plenty of options. I think it's just going to take a few more matches, um, for Tedesco to kind of sample all the different partnerships that are possible and, and settle into, yeah, a couple that he feels the most comfortable with and the ones that are producing results for us. And and obviously that could change depending on what the system is, right? You know, two guys who were playing well in the midfield and in, in that, you know, three, five, two or whatever you want to call it, they might reason not, not work in, in a four, two, three, one, because the responsibilities are going to be a little bit different. Um, we'll have to see, but uh, yeah, I mean, Mascarell could, could definitely be an option, and we we spend enough money on Rudy where we, he's gonna he's gonna be on the field, like you know he is. We so we have to just kind of give him a little bit more time to get acclimated to things, and hopefully he works out as well. But you know, there's, there's, there's Serdar and Rudy and Mascarell; these are all new guys. You know, um, it's really only Bensalev and McKenny that were here last year. Uh, so there's a lot of new acquisitions that we're trying to work in, and I think it's reasonable to expect that's going to take a little bit of time to build that chemistry. Another position that we're starting to get depth in, uh, it seems, is left back. Uh, Hamza Mendel performed admirably, I thought. Um, he had some missteps in the game, but I thought overall had a good work rate, had some good crosses in. Um, you know, when, when Baba Rahman gets healthy, if he isn't fully healthy yet, and, and Bastion Chipka, you really have an opportunity to rotate guys or go with the hot hand. Um, it's You almost want Ochipka out there all the time because of what he did last year, but... I mean, if other guys are hot, play them, Yeah, right? Mendel, just, just 20 years old, another guy that's 
that's young and, and definitely has some some work to do on his game. But yeah, he he's done all right so far. I mean, that first match that we saw him in, he got taken off by Chadesco after 25 minutes or whatever it was because <laughs> of some disciplinary issues that he had. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very, he's a, he's definitely an attacking left back. I mean, that's what he is. He, he's one of those guys that he's supposed to get forward and influence the game in that way. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. And definitely when you have a player like Kanaplianka out on the wing. That that combination of Mendo and Kanapoyanka running on the side can be can be pretty dangerous with with the speed and um the amount of the amount of grass they can cover out there. That's a that's a nice duo to have teamed up together. So um, yeah, the depth is huge. It's it's an issue we had last year. We didn't have Baba last year for the vast majority of that season. Um, it was really Ochipka or bust um, largely. Luckily, he yeah. was healthy for most of the season. He's you know and, until the issues he had with his groin. Recently, he's a guy that it, uh, both at, at Frankfurt and then for us, it basically was playing game in, game out. Um, he's an absolute workhorse. But, um, yeah, it's definitely nice to have a couple options back there. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Baba Raman continue to get acclimated with the side and, and see what, what Mendel can do. He's a very promising prospect. Uh, no doubt about it. Um Oh, one one of the one of the points I that or one of the things that made became evident to me as the game was going on is that it seemed like their one touch passing was much better than it had been all season. Um whenever the Mainz would turn it over in 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 the Schalke box, they they passed their way out of the trouble and it was, it was large for the large part it was one touch passing and those large those those one touch passes led to those counterattacks and um while that you may be playing with fire and stuff like that, doing that, um, teams like Barcelona and and Manchester City have thrived on these little touch passes to get them out of jams to start you know counterattacks. So hopefully this is something I think that will they can build on. I mean that's obviously not a finished product, but um, it was nice to see at least at towards the end of the game that they were stringing all these passes together. And, yeah, what's well, easier and to down the field. get some of that done when you're actually trying to do it for once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, what we were exactly. yeah, I mean, what we were doing the a couple ball, matches ago was just was just ridiculous. We had completely abandoned the short passing game in favor of just you know trying to launch balls forward for the strikers to run onto, and that's that's just not going to work. And I think especially when you have a player like Harit in the center of the park, that's going to be a lot more successful. He is, you know, so he can he really seems like a three hundred sixty degree player more than a lot of people. Are. He can turn so quickly. Um, and it's, so it seems like there's, oh, there's no. really almost a, never a time where, where he's completely cut off from any angles. It, he seems to always be able to find something. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely good to see that and tr- trying to do a little bit more of that and, and string some passes together. We definitely have the players to be capable of that. I don't know why we had gone away from it entirely. And I mean, you're going to have to do some of that to hope to have any success this year. So I'm, I'm glad that Tedesco changed his mind about, <laughs> what he what he wanted to to do building out of the back. Oh, for sure. Um, I want to talk about three players and where they could fit into this four two three one lineup. Those three players um, would be you know Cedric Toykert, Mark Uth, and um, Bria Lombolo. Uh, do you see any of these players being able to play either as the attacking forwards? And or the striker, or just one of the positions. Uh, I think if Twaker plays, he's going to be up top centrally in the four-two-three-one. Um, yeah. I think Mbolo, uh, you could see him maybe on the right side where Shep was playing. Um, we saw him in that position a number of times last year, sort of playing off the shoulder, 
Um, definitely in an advanced position, not like a straight, you know, like a right mid, like in, in a, you know, like a four, four, two or something like that. Definitely advanced, but, um, he's got the speed and the, you know, the, the range to, to pull that off. He, he doesn't have to just be up top. Um, whereas I think it definitely makes more sense to have a player like Bergstahler with some of his limited mobility as sort of a focal point up there. Um, Uth, I think will probably be up top as well, but he to me is a little bit more versatile where I could see him playing behind the striker where Harit yeah. was potentially. Um, definitely not dropping back as deep as Harit was, but I could see him playing um, sort of like a second striker in that sense. Or also, you know, worship for Kanapriyanka we're playing as well, coming off from the side. He's got he's got that pace where I think that would work out for him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely not limiting in some sense. I mean, it's going to be harder to get multiple strikers on the pitch at the same time if that's something you're really trying to do. Um, but right. uh, there's a couple of guys where it wouldn't really be out of position for them if they weren't up top. We've seen that from them in last season. Yeah, I, I, I'm agree with you that you know I think Toyker would probably just be the out and out striker um, in that formation. But Imbolo and Uth are more versatile where they could they could play in multiple positions in that top four, if you will. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what kind of combinations they get. Um, um, who else? Who else am I missing? I'm not gonna. I don't want to mention the the outcast at this point. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's skip on the players. Let's look at this. Let's look at the stats in this game. It wasn't. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Uh, possession wise, it didn't look that great. Uh, it was almost sixty forty possession. But once again, points. a lot of that came um, in the second half. I don't think it was that divided after the first half of yeah. play. It really just seemed like we kind of tried to muck things up, and and we weren't playing football as much in the second half we're just trying to hold on as much as possession as we've given up we looked more dangerous of the teams because we were, we were counterattacking and getting good opportunities while mines really weren't uh, early in the second half they had a couple opportunities that firemen had to make saves on but other than that it was pretty quiet yeah, there was one I, I forget um, who took the shot i don't know if it was back or maybe it was gabamin maybe um laser kind of like line drive from from the right side across, and I think he was probably going to catch maybe the far post and bounce in, and, and Fairman made a great one-handed diving save to, to bounce it and kind of keep it away from the goal. Um, he was called upon a couple times, definitely in the second half, and you know continues to be a rock more often than not for us at the back. Yeah, Gabamin uh, tends to be... He has a kind of confidence to take this kind of shot, so I wouldn't be surprised. Something else real quick about Fairman. I have absolutely no stats prepared to back this up but do you feel like he's been better um from a distribution no fairman from a distribution standpoint this season because i feel like he's improved with that to some extent he seemed pretty poor at it last year both of his feet and just his passing really with his hands but uh he does seem better at it maybe he must have been working on it or something this summer i mean definitely shows um, his passing accuracy has been a lot with a far passes with his feet have been almost spot on. He's missed a couple here and there. Yeah. Sure, that's, you know, I, I, I have to, I have to try to find some stats for that. I'd be interesting to actually see if, if the data backs that up, but that's definitely what it seemed like. That's always been my biggest criticism. And I think a lot of people's biggest criticism of him. I mean, he's a great keeper and a great shot stopper in the box, but it's always his distribution that was holding him back. And, you know, maybe part of the reason why you don't, you don't see him on, national team call-ups as much as, as some other people, but it definitely seems like he's he's improved that this year, which is huge for us. Apple Mezeros, this is uh, this is calling your name right here. 
It's a stat we were looking for from you. <laughs> uh, both teams had 15 shots. Uh, Mines had more on goal. Um, corner kicks were pretty even. Crosses, Mines had more. Fouls were even. Yellow cards are even. Um, statistically, it was an even game. But uh, if you look at it with the, from the eye, though Mines had the possession, like you said, um, it, it seemed like we had the more dangerous of the opportunities. Two posts in the second half by Kona Pliyanka, um, a couple other good opportunities. Um, so I think the team has – they're headed in the right direction now, finally. I think this 4-2-3-1 could do, do really well for us. Uh, we just have to build on it. And luckily, um, coming up next, I don't know if it's luckily, but uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, is coming into town. They're only two points ahead of us at five points through, what is it, six games, seven games. Um, if you take a look at their most recent results, uh, they lost to Nuremberg 3 nothing this weekend, uh, lost to Leverkusen 2-1. to They lost, or they drew Stuttgart, they beat Hoffenheim, and they drew Leipzig. Um and also, I think they oh yeah they they lost to Augsburg in the beginning of the season. This is a team. It's a it's obviously a team that came from um, Zweite Bundesliga last year. Um, they were good last year. They they've surprised some teams early on this season with uh, how much work ethic and 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 drive they have. Realistically, where they're at the table, this is a team we should win, right? Uh, but what do you see going into this game? Uh, is there something that you want to see more from Schalke? Something? You're worried about from Dusseldorf. Well, two seasons ago, when we also started the season 0-5 under Marcus Weinseel, I I seem to remember us playing pretty poorly against newly promoted sides and teams at the bottom of the table, whether it was you know Ingolstadt or whoever it was. Yes. Um, so hopefully that yes. trend does not continue. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I I don't care who the opponent is, given the start we have to the season. We have to win every game. I don't care if you know it was going to be Bayern Munich coming up this upcoming week. Like we need, we just need to win. Um, but definitely when it's a newly promoted team from this fight of Bundesliga, uh, you, you would hope to be able to take advantage of it. Um, and we certainly need to, this is an opportunity here to, um, try to get something going and get a little momentum. I mean, uh, we're out of last place. That's important. We're in 17th. We're not in last. We're climbing, baby. Um, But I mean, it's so, it's so early in the season, the people that were doom and gloom and, and saying, Oh, relegation. I mean, stop it. We have three points right now. We're what is it? We're three points out of fourteenth. We're, I mean, Hoffenheim is in eleventh place, and they only have four more points than we do. Like, I mean, you string a couple wins together, and and we're right back to mid table. It's not. It's not a. It's by no stretch of the imagination over at this point. So, um, yeah, it's you know, it just you just can't afford to to keep losing these games. But uh, yeah, grab a win against. Dusseldorf, take it one game at a time and, and see if we can rattle off a couple. So this game is going to be played at the at the Merkerspiel Arena in Dusseldorf. Um, if you want to look at stats for both these teams, shots are about even, both about nine nine shots a game. Um, shots on target, Dusseldorf tends to get uh, about five a game. We, we get about three. Uh, both teams are pretty bad in goals. Schalke are last. Uh, Dusseldorf are on 14th, so it's pretty much reflective where they're, where they're on the table. Passing-wise, um, they're not that great. Uh, completed passes, same thing. Crosses are actually decent crosses. They both get about five crosses a game. Um, tackles attempted. Dusseldorf like to get down nitty-gritty and get dirty. 
Um, they, they lead the league in tackles attempted per game and tackles succeeded per game. Um, fouls, they're about the same as us. So this game appears that it'll be a, a, a slugfest. Uh, Schalke are going to, I don't see a winner by more than one goal in this um, based on, on, on statistics and how Dustdorf's been playing this year. Now, 3 1. I'm get calling it now. Schalke 3 1. I was just going to say, you know, they uh, Dusseldorf just lost three nothing to to Nuremberg. Maybe they're still reeling from that. It's a great opportunity to hit them with some goals. So you say it's three to one, huh? I believe. I'm going back to the old tried and true. The Jack, two the Jack nothing, Mangan Jack. special. I'm going two nothing. The Jack Mangan special. Um, banana, banana waffles. What would you guys call it? You and <laughs> you and Greedy. Yeah. Yeah, banana bread. Banana pancakes, that's what it was. Banana, banana bread. Ah, it's a banana. I knew it was something. All right, so we both predicting victories in this one. We almost got to at this point. Um, there are no cha- there yeah. are European Are we back in the Champions League this week? I like how neither of us know this. This is great. We are on top. Of, yeah, we're playing uh, Moscow, are we not? 10-3? Locomotive. That we Wednesday? Should, yes. Yes, you are right at twelve fifty-five Eastern, eleven fifty-five Central Time. That is Central early time. They're playing in Moscow, so um, we get to see old friends Hovidis and uh, and uh, <laughs> Mister Farfan. Um, what are we expecting from this? For one? one of them to score on us. It's gonna happen. You you know what you know what's gonna yeah, happen. That, Probably both happen. of them. Like Hovidis is gonna score. Like. Probably from outside the box and some random volley, like a goal that he's like never scored in his career, like just something crazy. I don't know. Um, I'm looking forward to it though. I love those guys. I do, particularly Farfan. I miss him. He was. I, I think. I think Farfan for quite a while was a criminally underrated player, like a really, really good player that like the average soccer oh, fan yeah. had no idea existed. Um, you know, yeah. great servant for us down the right wing for for a number of years. So. Definitely looking forward to see him in action. That's a lot of travel um, to get out to to Moscow, but yeah, you know, no uh, <laughs> no midweek games or anything. We play a lot of games this month. It's a bit, been a busy schedule, so hopefully, yeah, seriously. But Naldo is well rested for this one, and he should be getting the start. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's didn't lose in the opener against Porto. Um, we should have won that if the refs hadn't, I think, screwed us out of that match, to be honest. Two highly, highly questionable penalties given. Yes. Um, but uh, at least got something out of that one against what I think we would anticipate being the most dangerous team in the group in, in, in Porto. Um, got to try to go on the road and see if we can get a result from it. I'm probably going to be easier to get a result there than you know Galatasaray or somewhere. So, um, yeah, I'm... It's worth noting that uh, Locomotive lost their opening to opener to Galatasaray three nothing. So uh, maybe they're susceptible in defense. Uh, we we shall. Find Schalke out, probably not the team to test <laughs> test defense with our offense so far this year, but mm, we no. shall see. I'm definitely looking no. forward to that. Yeah, and then we just got to go get a result against Dusseldorf because the following week, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're playing Werder Bremen, and uh, as predicted by yours truly and several other people, they are off to quite a hot start. Currently sitting in fifth place. Peter Bremen looking pretty good this year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they're finally uh, stepping up to the play. Last year, they they struggled in the beginning of the season, and they started playing well at the end. So they're 
taking they're picking up right where they left off and uh yeah they're back to being a good team again so uh good for them that they they should, them and even Wolfsburg needs to step it up uh, there's a team they're perennial top half of the table teams and so they're back that performing that way so uh good for them i guess <laughs> but we need to get back up there Definitely. too so we need to get victories here um all right so Schalke fans, what did you make of the game against Mainz and in the English Volker game against Freiburg? Uh, let us know at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Keep tuning in each week as we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. Jack. Where can our faithful followers J-M find you Mangan, on social media? Uh, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Man, me with a little <laughs> bit of alliteration on there. But anyway, uh, once again, I am your host, uh, Richard Carmen, And you can find me on Twitter at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Well, until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready. And we'll both be with you soon. Peace. <laughs>